Hey, a quick note before we jump into this episode. Here at Leading Saints, we are trying to do more How I Lead interviews. Now, what's a How I Lead interview? You've probably heard them before. It's where we find everyday leaders around the world who are serving in one capacity or another, maybe an elder scorn president, Relief Society president, the ward mission leader, high counselor, stake presidency counselor, so many different callings of leadership that we have in our faith tradition. And we like to sit down with them one-to-one and just say, how is it that you lead? Give us a few principles, put it into perspective. What's your area like? And these turn into phenomenal resources of best practices. And it's just always fun to hear what the other guy is doing. So if you know somebody who we could interview on the How I Lead segment, regardless of their calling, we would love to connect with them. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us the information, maybe get, give them a heads up, and we'd love to reach out to them, connect, and see if we can get them on the Leading Saints podcast for one of our How I Lead segments. Again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us the information. I'm here with Lynette. Tell us, Lynette, a little bit about you, uh, where you're from, and uh, why you support Leading Saints. I'm from California, and yeah. I have just loved listening to the various topics that give us insight into kind of some of the new issues that we're dealing with or the, you know, the current day issues that have us all wondering, you know, what do we do and what should we be doing? And I think your access to a lot of the experts in these areas is awesome and being able to distribute that. Welcome back to the Leading Saints podcast. My name is Kurt Frankum, your host. And if you're new to Leading Saints, well, let me tell you what we got here. What this is, is an organization called Leading Saints, and we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation. We just put content out there. We take opinions, perspectives, ideas, and share them. Sometimes you'll agree with the idea, sometimes you won't, and that's okay either way because you can lead in however you feel inspired to do so. Now we uh, have the podcast, which you're listening to now, which we hope you subscribe. We have a weekly newsletter that goes out. We have a uh, website at leadingsaints.org with thousands of articles uh, related to leadership. And uh, it goes on and on. You can find all sorts of resources there. So check us out. Now in this episode, we talk with Dustin Peterson, who is a former guest of the podcast and a very popular guest. I love bringing these uh, individuals back who've really uh, had an impact in, in on the audience before and seeing what else we can learn from them. And Dustin did again. He hit a home run. This is a great conversation. Last time we talked about talents. And we'll link to that in the in the show notes for you to check out. This time, we're talking about purpose. And sometimes this idea of you know having a purpose or having an organization create a purpose, it can sort of be so ambiguous and it's hard to figure out how it, how it all applies or whatnot. And so I push Dustin on some of these concepts and he gives great answers. But this idea of purpose can be really the driving force of an organization or of your personal life, because whether it's an organization or an individual, we've all experienced life get a little stale from time to time. And and that staleness can be very discouraging or you go through the motions or you forget what you're even doing. And uh, so a purpose can really pull you through that. And Dustin talks about what purpose is, how to identify it and how to apply it in your life so that it becomes a driving force. And uh, I mean, God put you on this planet to do something. So we got to figure out what that is. And Dustin, if you don't remember, is uh, he runs an organization called Proof Leadership, and he this is what he does day to day is he coaches and consults with organizations and individuals about purpose, about talents, and expanding the purpose that they have established, and really helping the refining process of that. So 
Great fit here. He's a branch president of a Spanish branch down in Texas, and it really brings a lot of leadership experience that way. But let's get to it. Here's my interview with Dustin Peterson. We are live. This is Kurt Frankum with Leading Saints here with uh, Dustin Peterson. What's up, Dustin? Hey, how's it going today? <laughs> Good. I sprung this live on him last minute. We <laughs> Still sweaty palms, but here we are. Yeah, he'll get on a roll and he'll forget we're even live. But so I, uh, but this is going to be great information. Dustin, you've been on the podcast before and part of some of our virtual summits in the past. And you're one of those guests that you always bring it. You always bring your A game and it's always helpful. So how do you, who are you and how do you explain that to people, especially in the church? <laughs> yeah, good question. So I run a leadership consultancy called Proof Leadership Group, and we do executive coaching, leadership training, but I moonlight helping people figure out what to do with their life. And so I wrote a book uh, called Reset, How to Get Paid and Love What You Do. And so I end up doing a lot of career coaching for folks. I launched a program recently called The Purpose Blueprint at thepurposeblueprint.com and, and really I feel like my life's mission is to help people find clarity about where they fit and what they're supposed to be doing. And so obviously the gospel answers a lot of those questions. And I found that, you know, oftentimes with clients, I sit there and think, you know, I've got the solution. It's just going to be a little awkward if I have to bust out the Book of Mormon on you. So I end up teaching them gospel principles in a way that they may not realize they're gospel principles, but at the end of the day, truth is eternal, right? So I do executive coaching, training, career coaching, but really all through that lens of purpose, how to figure out what to do with your life. And last time we, I believe we talked about, you were more focused on talents, but yeah. as it relates to, to finding your purpose is discovering the, the talents you have. And this, do you feel like this is, do they come in any certain order or um, is there a certain way you usually teach talents and purpose or? Yeah, such a good question. It's, a, it's actually a good segue into our topic today. I was thinking about where my passion for purpose came from. And back in the day, I had this theory that if people could just figure out why they exist, like what their core values are and what they do best, their talents and where they thrive, their ideal environment, they would be set up to go figure out their purpose in life or or go figure out what they should be doing. And so I'd start coaching people and helping them figure these things out and articulate them and get clear about them. And a really interesting thing happened. People would figure out their talents and their values and environment. And then they'd stare at me and be like, all right, now what? what? What should I go do? And I was like, what do you mean? That's what you should go do. Go do your talents. Go put those to work. And they'd, and they'd get lost. They'd get stuck. And I felt like something was missing, but I couldn't pinpoint it. I wasn't sure what the missing piece of the formula was. So to answer your question, yes, there is a missing piece and the piece is purpose and it supersedes all other things. Talents are important. They're powerful. But if you don't know where to aim them, you're no further along. In fact, what I found is you actually oftentimes are even more dissonant because you know what you do best. You just don't know where to aim it or where to apply it. So that's where purpose comes in. Yeah. And uh, th- we're doing this as a live on Facebook. So those that are tuning in, we'd love to uh, have questions pop up. And so submit your comments below this video as you're inspired to do so. And uh, we'll definitely get Dustin to answer some of those and it'll be as interactive as possible. So, but in your outline here, you, you start out with a referencing a a Harvard research study. And I love a good research study. So (laughs) so let's let's blast off from that point. Yeah. So around the time that I was struggling to figure out how to guide clients, you know, I recognized that they knew their talents, they knew their values, they knew their environments where they thrive, but they didn't know where to aim it. I wasn't sure what to call it. And I read this really great study. It came from a guy named Bill George. He is a researcher at Harvard and, and he got together a group of really smart people from Harvard and Stanford. And they said, you know what? 
we're going to solve this leadership conundrum. Like we're going to figure out what the one thing is all great leaders need to have in order to be successful. So they went out and they interviewed 125 leaders. And these are across all industries. They're across race, religion, ethnicity, age, 23 to 93 years old. And they asked them the question, what makes you an effective leader? Why are you great at what you, what you do? They got 3,000 pages of data back and they started combing through it to identify what is that one thing, that one characteristic or trait that they all have in common. Any guesses what they found? Well, I've seen your notes, but it's, it's a very disappointing answer. <laughs> it's disappointing. They found nothing. <laughs> they found nothing. They went through and they researched and they combed through trying to find like, you know, all great leaders are extroverted or all great leaders are introverted or all great leaders are good delegators or they're outgoing or social or emotional, emotionally intelligent. And what they found is there was no consistency, not one thing. Well, of course, you can't leave a research study like that, right? You commission it. You have graduate students work on it. You can't go write a book about nothing. So they went back to the drawing board. They went back and read through all that feedback to try to identify, is there anything great leaders have in common? And what they found is the thing that stood out to me. It was the thing I was missing in my coaching of people. They said, you know what? There is no trait. There's no characteristic. There's no skill. You don't have to be a great delegator. But there is one thing that all of them expressed. And what they expressed was a clear sense of purpose. When asked the question, why do you lead? They all had an answer. They usually had a story to tell. They said, you know, I'll never forget growing up or I'll never forget a couple of years ago this happened to me. And it motivated me to take this, this leadership position. That hit me like a ton of bricks. I thought, this is the missing piece. My clients don't know purpose. They got their talents. They know their values. They know where they thrive, but they don't know why. Like, why do I exist? Like, what is my, my rallying cry? What's my charge on planet Earth? What's my big why that drives everything I do? So that's really what shifted my perspective and made me think, all right, I'm going all in on purpose. How do you figure this out? And how do I help yeah. my clients figure it out? Yeah. And I appreciate that because, you know, as, as leaders, whether in a calling or in, in life or as a parent, you're constantly thinking, you know, I want to be that a better leader. And so where do I start? And, you know, starting with purpose is, is a good place, right? It's huge. You know, because I'm a member of the church, I immediately began to transfer this knowledge and I thought, okay, well, that's interesting. Do we know our purpose in the church? Like, do we have purpose? And, you know, what's interesting to me, Kurt, is God has a very clear purpose. And you, you stand in Sunday school and you say, what is God's purpose? Everyone raises their hand, says Moses 139, right? They talk about God bringing to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. It's like the only scripture we all have memorized. And then you ask, well, what is our purpose? And I think we as a people in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints have a un unified purpose. It's to get back to our Father in Heaven and gain eternal life and bring everyone we can with us. But I wonder, is there something more specific? Is there something more nuanced? Is there something bigger than, yeah, we all want eternal life? Like, do I have a purpose that's different than you? And do people have individual purposes to drive their life and their work? I believe they do. And, and I think very few people know what that is. You know, not all of us are lucky enough to be Joseph Smith, who was translating the Book of Mormon. And he comes across Second Nephi, and he's reading these prophecies of Isaiah, and it says, in the future, a seer will come forth and he will bring to light this book of you know, Mormon to all people and races and tongues and ethnicities. And he read his purpose and he was probably like, oh man, that's me. That's my purpose. But the rest of us don't have that. And so, so how do you figure it out? How do you find out what your purpose is? And that's the big question. How do I know what my individual purpose is? 
Yeah. And what do you, I mean, because this topic and this is something, you know, having vision or purpose, and maybe there's different ways to define these terms, but it can seem so ambiguous, you know, it's like the purpose, I just want to, I want to be a good dad. You know, I want to, I want to provide for my family and, you know, and so sometimes so ambiguous is like, that's great. Like to say in a Sunday school class or, you know, during a leadership training meeting, but the day-to-day of it seems the application of it can seem so daunting and just unclear. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, nine times out of 10, when I ask the client, why do you exist? Like, what do you feel like is your purpose? Nine times out of 10, the answer is, man, I just want to help people. You know, yeah, like, right. I just want to help people. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You and the grocery store clerk and the gas station attendant <laughs> and the Chick-fil-A person. Don't we all? Like, isn't that what we all do? We all help people in one way or another. But I think it's got to be more specific than that. I th- in fact, I know it is. I know that people have individual purpose. And I feel like part of the charge of this life is to figure that out and then give your whole heart and soul to it when you figure out what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So where do we go from here as far as just understanding purpose and, and how to start developing it for ourselves? So it's not just this vague concept. Yeah. Well, the first thing you need to understand is what purpose is. And I love this definition. It comes from a researcher, a woman named Angela Duckworth. She wrote a book about grit. And she talks a lot about the power of purpose in that book. And in there, she says, purpose is your intention to contribute to the well-being of other people. Your intention to contribute to the well-being of other people. I love that for a couple of reasons. The first reason is it's intentional, meaning it's on purpose. And that's not meant to be a pun. Like we literally, we, we set out to do that specific thing. The second thing I like about her definition is it's other focused. Uh, research shows that if my purpose is only focused on me, it doesn't have pulling power, doesn't have staying power. So if I feel like my purpose is to, um, I had one client one time I was coaching on this and, and we started to get down to it. I said, so why do you exist? After all we've talked through, he said, I think I exist to amass knowledge. Like I just want to become like, all knowing. And I'm like, oh man, I love that. It's a little scary, a little creepy, but I love that. I would argue that's not true purpose because it doesn't serve a greater good. It doesn't serve humankind. So I pushed him on it. I said, I hear that, but to me, that's a goal, not a purpose. So why do you want to be all knowing? Why do you want to learn so much? He said, I think I want to learn so much so I can lift other people. Boom. It became a purpose statement. It was no longer, I exist to learn everything. It's I exist to learn everything so I can lift others. And the moment that he said that, you just felt it. Like you felt the tenor of the conversation shift. Now it was about other people, not about him. That's got pulling power to it. So the first step to understand purpose is understanding that it's not about you. Like every one of us has a unique purpose, but that purpose is really all about how can I serve a greater good? How can I help people beyond myself? Yeah. And again, it goes back, that's sort of where people fall into that. Well, I just want to help people, right? And sometimes they don't know how or what that looks like. And maybe talents come in to a question there, but, but yeah, that's a good starting point. And, and and I don't know, I, obviously you do a lot of coaching and presenting all around the concept of individual purpose, but I assume a lot of these principles relate to creating an organizational purpose, right? Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you bring that up. I think that they're very similar. In fact, you know, it's interesting before I jumped on the call, I hopped on your website just to catch up on the latest and greatest and planted right there across the dead center of the front page. We exist to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. It's a purpose statement. And it's a beautiful purpose statement, by the way. Like I looked at it and I'm about to teach you or share with the audience three things that you can do to identify your purpose. 
I'll just tell you, Kurt, you already got an A plus. I can nail it. Nice. Oof. Well, <laughs> I've been talking to guys like you for for years. So. Not that I'm like the guardian of purpose that gets to say what a purpose <laughs> is or isn't, but you're right. It's it's the same. The concepts I'll teach they're the same whether it's an individual, an organization, a relief society, a ward or a branch, a stake. You can use these same concepts when you're defining purpose. And so I think that's why they have staying power. That's why they're powerful. Yeah. And I'm also curious, this concept of purpose needs to be focused on others. So as an organization, you know, and maybe this doesn't apply exactly, but as an organization, you can be very inward focused on we're here to help everybody within our organization. And again, maybe you separate the organization from the people in the organization that you want to help. You know, a ward is there maybe to help the members of the ward, but I'm also makes me just prompted the idea of like to sit with the purpose of an organization like a quorum or a ward and say, how are we helping the community around us? And that may lead to deeper inspiration. Yeah, it's a powerful thought. You know, when we think about purpose, sometimes we confuse it with goals or mission. Hmm. And my mission might be internally focused or my goals might be internally focused, but again, they lack that pulling power. Think about the influence that a branch or a ward or a state could have if they said, we want to set a purpose statement that benefits the greater good in our community, gets out beyond ourselves. Isn't that what the church is really all about? Remember, the, our unified purpose is to make it back to Father in Heaven and bring as many people as we can with us. That's how that happens when we get out beyond ourselves. And by the way, just as a side note, you've probably seen this as I have, wards that are very insular or quorums that are very insular, inward focused, only worry about themselves and their mem- and that's it. They don't go beyond that. They tend to kind of not breed toxicity per se, but they tend to lose momentum. They begin to kind of get stale because we're just worrying about us. We're just worrying about like pulling all the oars in on the ship and keeping it in tight rather than like getting out there and trying to help other people. So yeah, that's where purpose yeah. comes in. Awesome. Anything we've missed as far as just defining the surface of what purpose is and understanding the concept. Yeah. The very simple thing to remember if you're, if you're taking notes or watching this is it's your why it's the big why. So it's that thing that drives you and it's different than your how and your what your, what might be an elders quorum president, your how might be building relationships and ministering effectively and temple and family history work. But your why is what really drives you. It's like, what is, what is the purpose for which we're doing this work? So there's a difference between the how, the why, and the what. And the why is what we're focused on today. Nice. Perfect. What's the next step? Okay. So in order to identify your purpose, what I found is that there are three things that you have to know. The first is that purpose is really broad. It's a big, bold statement. So let me give you a few examples. I'm just going to read these off to you. These are organizations we're all familiar with. The first one is Disney. Kurt, if you had to think about Disney and why they exist, put you on the spot. Be a marketing consultant for just a moment. If you're writing a purpose statement for Disney, 10 words or less, why would you say they exist? They exist to increase the happiness of children around the world. <laughs> That's better than what they have. You ought to okay. consider if, if this leading saints <laughs> thing flatlines a little bit, you should go to Disney to marketing. <laughs> I'll send them my uh, invoice. Uh, send them your invoice. <laughs> yeah, what they came up with is very simple, to make people happy. You're dead on. What I love about what you said is that it's not about merchandise or theme parks. It's not about uh, movies or the Marvel universe. It's bigger than that. It's to make people happy. Purpose is super broad. It's big. It's open. Listen to a couple of these other purpose statements from organizations. Tesla, why do they exist? Notice what's not in their purpose statement. 
to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Not really cool cars? Or- it's not about cars. <laughs> Same thing with Amazon, to be the Earth's most customer-centric company. It's not about free shipping. It's not about getting what you want when you want it. It's not about world domination. It's about customer centricity. Now, whether or not these organizations live their purpose is for another conversation, right? But the, the idea is simple. Purpose is broad. It's big. It's so big, multiple organizations or people could live under the same purpose. In fact, there are probably organizations that also exist to make people happy. Could be a grocery store, could be a retail store, could be a lawyer or an accounting firm. So it's okay to be broad. You want to be broad. The broader, the more pulling power. It's got to have that kind of umbrella effect. And it's got to be so big and ambitious, you will never solve it in your lifetime. Will Disney really ever make everyone happy? If you've been to Disney, you know that's not true because <laughs> yeah. those lines get long and it's hot and sweaty sometimes. But you know what? It's their purpose. It's what they set out to do. Same thing is true with, with you, by the way. We exist to help LDS Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. Is every Latter-day Saint going to be better prepared to lead? We hope so. That's what we're trying to crush in the world. That's what we're setting out to accomplish, right? Yeah. Got to be broad. Yeah. So let me interject, and I don't. hopefully this isn't too much of a left turn, but, but Jamin asked an interesting question on, on Facebook here. He says, I think about this topic often as I struggle with my own career decisions, and I struggle thinking of this as a first world problem where most of us just need to be happy working no matter what it is. So we can just feed a family and live a good life. Is it okay for my purpose to just being willing to work hard as an aircraft mechanic, even though it doesn't facilitate some idyllic purpose or mission statement? Yeah, such a great question. It totally does, doesn't it? And that's one of the things that stops us from pursuing purpose or pursuing talent is we feel like it's like a a privilege, not a right. Like we feel like we're, you know, like I'm kind of spoiling myself by pursuing or identifying life purpose. I want to separate out, though, the difference between purpose and occupation. Purpose is big and bold. And because it's an umbrella, lots of things can fall underneath it. For example, the purpose statement I've come up with for myself is to maximize human potential. Three words that mean a lot to me. And when I think about that statement, I exist to maximize human potential. It wakes me up in the morning and I say, man, I want to go serve in my my Spanish branch in the church because I just want to help people maximize their potential. And when I go to family home evening, I think, okay, I could either phone it in on this lesson tonight, or I can really help my kids maximize their potential. And when I go to work, I think I want to help my clients today maximize their potential. It's big and bold. So I love the question, but occupation is just one piece. Is it okay to just go be an aircraft mechanic and just work really hard at doing that? Absolutely, it's okay. The question I'd push you to think of is, what's the big why that drives you though? What's the thing that makes you want to show up and be that aircraft mechanic. It may be that I exist to provide a life for my family that was better than my own growing up. And that's what drives me to go be an aircraft mechanic every day. Purpose has pulling power. It boosts resilience. It boosts satisfaction. It boosts engagement. So purpose is, it's not an either or, like either I live my purpose or I just go settle for a job. It's a both and. Like I'm going to go get a job, but I'm not going to be devoid of purpose. I'm going to find purpose in what I do. Yeah. And- Why do you think that is, like, why do you have to find the purpose? Because, like, I I appreciate this question because it's just such a raw and real question that, you know. Totally. I don't know if you're familiar with John Eldridge. He's a Christian author, but he talks about this concept of of finding your larger story. And so much in life, you just get bogged down with the day-to-day and you you slip into a smaller story where it's Mm. like, you know what, I I go, I go to work nine to five, I'm, I'm a, 
airline airplane mechanic. I'm paying the bills. You know, you know, I'm exhausted, but you know, I just want to go put my time in, come home, watch some Netflix series, and move on with my life. Like I don't need this grand purpose. Why can't I just clock in and clock out every day? How would you respond to that? I would say I heard a great quote the other day on a radio from a talk show host. He said, you know, in life, you're doing one of two things. You're either growing or regressing. You're either moving forward or moving backward. There is no stalemate. There's no flat line. There is no just kind of neutral. And I would say the same is true with occupation or life or purpose, that purpose, again, has pulling power. It's motivating. And so it helps us to move forward. Are there times and seasons where it's okay just to show up and just work? Sure. But I think that what you'll find over time is a slow decay of your morale, of your energy, of your motivation, of your satisfaction. And I think that purpose is the thing that helps guard against that. It's the thing that pulls us through those difficult times. By the way, when, when stuff goes bad, when stuff goes poorly, that's where purpose swoops in and, and pulls us through it. And yeah. in the absence of purpose, we're left thinking, what am I doing and why? Yeah. And we crash. Yeah. You know, I've experienced that myself that, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, you can just show up, you can do the things. I mean, and, and sometimes an award, there's this feeling of like, you know, can't we just, just come to church and do our thing and go back to our families? Like, do we need this, like, let's go save the world type of mentality and award or a quorum. But the reality is, is that we are, you know, I love the scripture that, that describes us as we are God's workmanship. Hmm. Like he created us as in his likeness. Right. And so he never lives in a smaller story. I mean, he's literally creating galaxies and influencing individual lives, you know, from the beginning and to the end of time, That's right? True. And so as his children, we can slip into that smaller story from time to time. But I, like you mentioned, over time, what you're going to find is adversity is going to come along, right? Because mm-hmm. we're there's an adversary. Life gets tough. And if we don't have that purpose, we're going to find that we're just not as happy or we don't have something that pulls us through, right? I, I feel like I just repeated what you said, but- um, But more eloquently. No. <laughs> That's why we make a good team. <laughs> That's right. But it really is like this point of happiness. Like you're going, if you don't, if you don't take the time to really identify this, over time, I think you're going to kind of slip into this funk, like, eh, you know, whatever. But, and that's, that weighs on people for, you know, it can anyways. Yeah. Look, God says this in the Doctrine and Covenants. He says, be anxiously engaged in a good cause and do many things of your own free will, right? He charges us, he commands us to be anxiously engaged in a good cause. What is a good cause? It's just another name for purpose. Find something that brings you purpose and then pursue it anxiously. Let me just say one other thing about this to that question, because I like it so much. It just came to mind. A woman named Amy Resneski, don't try to spell it, but it starts with a W. She's a researcher at Yale and she studies career. She did a really interesting study a number of years ago. She went into a hospital and she identified the hospital custodial staff, the people that go in there and change the dirty sheets, clean the rooms. I mean, it's like, it's a job that most people look at and say, that's a super ungratifying job. Like there's no way anybody could find joy in that. She went and she interviewed these hospital custodians and said, why do you do it? Like, what draws you to do this? She found a really interesting thing. 80% of the people she interviewed said they're doing it just to bring home a paycheck. They don't enjoy it. They get nothing from it. They get a paycheck and they go home. That's not the interesting thing. The interesting thing was the other 20%. She said there were 20% of people in that job who didn't see themselves as custodial staff. They saw themselves as healers healers of people. She said, I would interview them and, it's, and, and they'd say, oh, I'm not a custodian, I'm a healer. What that means to me is when I go into a patient's room, I ask them, 
what their preferences are with regard to cleaning products and if there are any scents that make them particularly nauseous. There was one person who went into a the, the room of somebody in a coma and would rotate the paintings and the artwork in the room in order to hopefully help affect the feng shui of the room and help them recover more quickly. There's another one who said, I keep in touch with the patients long after they leave. We exchange Christmas cards and we stay in touch because they saw their work as greater than the what and the how. They saw it as the why. It's an opportunity to heal. So I'd argue that there is no job that, that's devoid of purpose. No job. That you can find purpose in anything you do, but you've got to look for it. Yeah, that's I, I love that example. And there's a lot of parallels, I think, to to jobs or church callings sometimes that totally. go go stale, right? But I, I want to. I've got a list of questions. I'm, I'm totally taking you off your that's okay. here, that's but that's right. my job. Dustin. Yeah, that's so right. That's You're doing do. a good job so, at it. <laughs> but we'll come back. We'll definitely make sure we hit all these points. But it's a fascinating discussion. I'm I'm curious with you know when you have. When you're, I guess I'm talking on a level of organizational purpose, where yeah. you're part of organization, where you feel like you know it's got some purpose. Sometimes I, I wonder, like, let's say maybe an elders quorum president really establishes strong purpose in the quorum, and and that's great. But you also go to work and you have a different purpose there, and so you can almost have like you're part of these different organizations with maybe they do have strong purposes. Yeah. And is that, do those ever conflict? Is that a bad thing? I mean, obviously yeah. everybody wants a job with strong purpose, wants a calling with strong purpose, wants a ward with strong purpose. But if we're just moving from one organization to another, can that purpose become overwhelming or taxing on an individual? Yeah. So this is going to start getting a little mind boggling. Okay. But here's what I would say to that. <laughs> uh, I get the question a lot. Like, how do I know if this is my purpose? Like, this is the purpose. And mm -hmm. I think that's a lot of pressure to put on ourselves. I found that, that there's macro purpose and there's micro purpose and there's something even smaller like nano purpose maybe, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything I do should have purpose to it. And it's really nothing harder than stopping long enough to think, why am I doing this? Like, why am I walking into this ward council? Why am I having this meeting with this individual? Why am I showing up at church? Sometimes you'll have micro purpose or nano purpose. It's that small purpose that pulls you through a project or initiative. But what I'm really interested in is in that I'm looking for the bigger thing. I'm looking for that overarching purpose statement when I work with people. The reason I say it's mind-boggling is, yeah, you could end up having dozens of purpose statements, right? <laughs> purpose for my family and the purpose for my organization and the purpose for my work and the purpose for my church calling. That's fair and you can do that and it certainly has pulling power. What I care about is that bigger purpose, the kind of thing that's pulling me through multiple things over time. It's not a short-term goal. It's something that really kind of pulls me. And so, sure, can you have multiple purpose? Yes. I think we need to be broader though. I think we need to look higher level. Yeah. And and I'm curious with that if, uh, on that subject, just this idea of like, let's say you, you establish a purpose and that leads you to maybe you're like, I'm going to write a book, like whatever purpose is, I'm going to write this book. And it's going to take some time. It's going to be hard work, but I'm going to do it, right? And so maybe you say every morning I'm going to wake up at 6 a.m. and I'm going to write for two hours. And then on Sunday, you're, you're serving with the youth. And you know, obviously, this is a, in, a, in a different galaxy long, long time ago when, before COVID. But let's say you're, you're serving in a, in a youth calling and suddenly the youth raise their hand and they're inspired with their purpose. Say, hey, guys, let's go to, go to the temple every morning or every Tuesday morning or whatever it is, right? And then this purpose conflicts. And I'm just wondering if there's like, and maybe the, this is different discussion, but I'm curious if there's like this this permission of, of creating boundaries for your purpose saying, hey, that sounds like a very awesome idea. 
my purpose is driving me elsewhere. So good luck with that. And maybe we can find another youth leader to go or whatever. I mean, to me, that's sort of the the conflict that sometimes arises, but maybe I'm getting too far in the weeds here. No, you're not. I'm thinking of a, a chart that I saw, again, created by Angela Duckworth in her book, where she talks about where she sees the most dissonance with people is that they either have a really clear purpose and totally misaligned daily goals driving toward it, or they have really great goals, but no clear purpose driving them. And what you just described would be somebody who has a clear purpose, but allows themselves to get pulled by many, many different goals on a daily basis. So step one is clarifying your purpose. And then step two is doing a raw analysis of your life and asking a really hard question. Is everything I'm doing contributing to that purpose? Is it driving me toward what God intends for me to do? And some things you're going to look at and say, that needs to fall out of my life. And other things you'll look at and say, I need to amplify that. And you may look at other things and give permission and say, that's not directly given to my purpose, but that's okay. I'm going to do it anyway. I find the same thing when I coach clients. I find that for the most part, I'm dealing with people who don't have a clearly articulated purpose. Mm. And therefore, when you look at the sum total of their daily activities, they're all over the map. It's like, what, <laughs> like what, what is the thing tying this together? Like you're doing this and this and this and this. Purpose is the unifying force. It's the, it's the filter or the lens that you can look at your life and say, am I doing what God intended? Yeah, that's helpful. All right, let's get back to your, uh, where, where are we at your outline? So we just did I'll... step one. I'm a little nervous to introduce, introduce step two. <laughs> we might not get I'll there. I'll see how else I can take you after your game. But I'm kidding. See. Step two is simple. And that's why I like it. The easiest, the second thing that you need to know is that purpose is not only broad, it's short. And by short, I mean seven words or less. Now I'll give you 10 if you want to start with the words, I exist. Two, but really we want to keep it short. And the reason why is if I can't wake up in the morning, plant my feet on the carpet and repeat my purpose, then for why do I have it? So I've coached people in the past who say, yeah, I've got a purpose statement. Like, what is it? And they're like, let me pull it out. And they read it and they're like, my purpose is to begin and every day and end each day in a way that helps to support the people around me to become the best at who they are and what they do and blah, 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 blah. And it goes on and on. And I think, Look, I'm not the purpose judge, but if I were, I would say that's too long. I can't remember it. It has no pulling power. And so when you've really identified true purpose, it should be a short statement. Let me give you some examples. I love these. These are actual client statements. I exist to help people be their best selves, period. Another one, I exist to pursue knowledge to share with others. I exist to create systems that make life easier. I exist to find order in chaos, to close the gap to springboard people forward. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for something that's so high level. It means something to you. It may mean nothing to me. It doesn't matter. It's not for me. It's for you. And really what it does is it gives structure to then your how and your what. So the second step is very simple. Keep it short, 10 words or less. Yeah, I love that. I often say that uh, it should be something that you can explain, that you can say to a six-year-old and they'll even understand it. Because sometimes we get so flowery in our language, right? The, especially in organizational purposes where it's like, man, I don't even know what that word means. And you want me to be be motivated by it, you know? So. Exactly right. It's got to be short, punchy, to the point. Now, the way to figure that out, by the way, when I'm working with clients to identify their purpose, I'll give them a homework assignment, which is when we think we've identified it, I want them to go do two things. The first thing I want them to do is I just want them to share it with other people. Don't read it, share it. Say, hey, Kurt, I think I identified my purpose statement today. Can I share it with you? You say, yeah, sure. And then I'd say it out loud. 
The reason why that's important is because as you say it, you begin to naturally edit it down. So it's not so long. It goes from, I exist to help people find a way to be their best selves to, I exist to maximize human potential. It simplifies it. The second thing I want them to do is then revise it, narrow it down, trim the fat, make it simple. I always aim for three words. If I could just think of three things, three simple words that I can repeat to myself in difficult times, that's usually enough to have that pulling effect. Yeah. So uh, we, we have, it's broad, it's short, and then there's a third one, right? There is. This is the most important one of all. This yeah. was the big revelation for me. So whenever I have somebody identify purpose, I always have them start by drawing a line on a piece of paper. And what that line represents, it kind of looks like a stock market ticker, a chart. It's the ups and downs of their life. So usually the way this works is I'll have them go back and think about the moments when they're at their very best and the moments that were the most hard, most difficult, the low moments of their life. I'll have them start to chart those out on a piece of paper and then draw a line that connects it. The important concept is this. When Bill George and his team were doing that study on leadership, they were trying to figure out where does leadership come from? And what they identified is that leadership comes from the low points in our life. The moments that are hardest, they call them crucibles, are the moments that define who we are as a leader. It's from those crucibles that I say, now I know who I am and how I want to lead. I found the same thing to be true with purpose. When I'm helping somebody identify their purpose, I found that purpose emerges from the highs and the lows of our life. And more often than not, like 90% of the time, it emerges from the low points. So when you think about that really difficult moment, that thing that was really hard for you, that moment that felt raw, vulnerable, challenging, you didn't know if you'd make it. Those are the moments where you say, I don't ever want anybody to experience what I just experienced. I exist to blank. And it drives you forward. Now, can it come from the high moments? It certainly can. I had a client a number of years ago that said, Dustin, I've got to admit I've lived a pretty charmed life. Like I just don't have a lot of lows on my journey map, on my line. I said, that's okay. Pick the highest moment you've experienced. And he did. And from that, we were able to exact, extract his purpose statement because he, he was able to say, yeah, I want everybody to experience that moment because that's, I felt so blessed and privileged to experience that. I want to just spend the rest of my life helping other people do that. The key is this purpose lies in the past, not the future. So I always waited to stumble over my purpose. I always thought one day I'll just like come across it. And this information was powerful to me. This research showed me that it's not out there waiting to be discovered. It's in your rearview mirror. And if you could get clear about where you've come from in those deep defining moments that have shaped who you are today, your purpose comes from that. It emerges from those difficult moments. So that's yeah. really the biggest key. Nice. Love that. I'm curious how you go about just infusing your life with this purpose. As far as sometimes we can, you know, go through these motions like, Maybe you were in a training with Dustin or whomever, and we get our purpose statement down. And then six months later, you think, oh yeah, what was that? You know, like, do you have routines or things that help you keep it top of mind? I do. So every morning I have as part of my morning routine, prayer, scripture study, and then I, I review what I call my affirmations. My affirmations are statements that I've written of who I wish I was that I'm not, but I read them in the present tense as if I was already that person. <laughs> So they might say something like, I am a loving, patient, kind father who listens to my kids intently without being distracted by other things. Now, if you knew me, you know that's probably not true, but I'm striving to be that guy. 
I read it out loud to myself and out loud is important because it gives the Holy Ghost a chance to affirm it back to me and say, yeah, you're getting there. You're making it. As part of that morning routine, I read that purpose statement and I look over my calendar for the day and, and I just look at the things that I have coming up and I ask myself, how can I make sure to magnify that purpose today? Like I've got the call with Kurt today. What can I do to maximize human potential? What I love about keeping that purpose alive and well is that I have days that are super tedious where I look at my calendar and I think, I'm not looking forward to a single thing on here. And yet that purpose gives me a chance to say, okay, I either need to find purpose in the work I have today, changing the bed sheets in the hospital, or I need to find some other way to magnify my purpose today or I'm going to lose energy. And so those that's kind of how I keep it top of mind. Nice. Greg asks a, a simple applicable question here. What are some examples of ward counselor or bishopric purposes? I mean, imagine if you if you can, Dustin, that you're a branch president. Uh, <laughs> you are, but I'm just curious how you uh, infuse some of these principles in your service as a branch president. You know, whether it's in branch council or or elsewhere. Yeah, you can really kind of look at the the evolution of the unit, whatever unit you're in, and that helps define the purpose. So, for example, I work with a Spanish branch and we're an upstart branch. We've only been in, in place for about a year. And so our purpose is really has nothing to do with growing the leadership skills of our members or, or helping people become more savvy at welfare, or it's actually really all about helping build connection. That's all we're about, build connection. We're trying to connect people. We're trying to build community. And so um, I love what my stake president said to me when he called me to this. He said, Dustin, this is not a full, fully functioning ward, nor should it be operating as one. Bootstrap this thing. Like whatever you got to strip away to get this thing up and running, make it happen. And we've done just that. So we don't have filled out presidencies. We don't have all the other stuff. Our purpose is very simple. Build connection. Build community. The same could be true for a bishopric that might look at a really functioning ward. And they might say like, wow, we have like a really high functioning ward with really outstanding leaders. Your purpose might be deep in conversion. Like we're there, now we need to get the roots deeper. It all emerges from the evolution of your unit. Like when you look at that Ellers Quorum, are you growing? Are you stable? How's the spirituality of the members of it? The purpose emerges from the same thing, emerges from the past, emerges from your difficult situation. And then how does that look as far as shaping the activities, the plans, the goals? Because a lot of people... Can, or organizations can state the purpose maybe at the beginning of each meeting, but then halfway through the meeting, you quickly realize you're not talking anything related to that purpose. So anything you do to help shape the what you do as a branch according to your purpose? I love that. It guides, it should guide all goals. So we set our goals at the beginning of this year, this calendar year as a branch, and all of our goals relate directly back to building community. We have a goal that we're going to have one branch activity every single month. No matter what, we're going to make that happen in order to bring people together. We have a goal that every fifty percent of missionary discussions taught will have a member present, because we want members to begin connecting with those who aren't yet members to start to build that connection and community. We have goals that every member of our branch over the age of eleven will have a temple recommend, so we can prepare to take a massive temple trip together as a community, as a connection to the temple to do work for our ancestors. All goals should flow from your purpose. The best part about that is your agenda should then flow from those goals. So we have branch council coming up this Sunday. And when we get together, I've already pre-warned my Relief Society and Elders Corman missionaries that, you know what questions I'm going to ask? Tell me about member present discussions. 
Tell me about members who are less active that you're helping bring back. Tell me who you've talked to to help them prepare for a temple recommend. Talk to me about this branch activity we have in a few weeks. What are we doing to help push these things forward? And should we save some time for other stuff? Sure. But keep it flowing. Make sure that the hierarchy is in place, that purpose drives goals, drives daily actions. Nice. Love that. I'm curious to talk about this concept of calling, a calling, right? And in our religious culture, I feel like we've really turned the dial down on this concept of calling because it's very administrative in our religious experience. Oh, what you're calling, right? You're not like you, you wouldn't expect someone at church to then spout their, their broad life purpose after saying what you're <laughs> calling, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would probably be like, oh, I do the nursery every other week or whatever, right? And so I'm curious, like, what would you tell the individual who just doesn't like their calling? Maybe they have the equivalent of the, you know, changing the bed sheets in their ward calling, you know, and they just can't get into it, but they feel like, well, I probably shouldn't ask to be released. So what do I do? So I was working with a, a client. This is going to be a parallel story. Okay. I was working with a client at a school district a number of years ago. And one of the things they hated doing very most was what's called lunch duty. Lunch duty, if you're an educator, means that you go to the lunchroom and you literally supervise students to make sure they're not throwing food, food fighting, you know, fights break out, doing inappropriate things. They hate it. They said it feels like drudgery. It feels painful to me. I don't enjoy doing that thing. So we helped identify purpose. Like what is your purpose in life? What do you exist to do? And they said, I want to help people be their best selves. I said, okay, let's look at at cafeteria duty for a second. Is there any possible stretch or way that you can make that meaningful? What we ended up getting to is that that person would have a daily goal to connect with one person. Yeah, they would reprimand the guy who threw his food. And yes, they'd get onto the person who's popping their chip back. But more importantly, they would make sure that sometime during that 30 minute period, they connected with one human being and got to know them so they could help them be their best selves. What they reported is that they felt their energy go up. They didn't look forward to it anymore, but it gave them a sense of purpose because now they showed up with like a goal, something I'm going to, I'm here to do. I'm here to connect. I think the same is true in callings, right? Too often we look at our calling and we think that we are the calling. The calling is a small piece of our membership in the church. It's a small piece of our, of our commitment and our discipleship. You can show up to the branch or the ward and serve your purpose in spite of your calling. So you may go in and work in the nursery, for example, and say, I get nothing from this. Well, great. What are you going to do during the times when you're not in nursery to help live your purpose? Better yet, is there a way in the nursery that you could live your purpose? Is there a way that you could magnify it? I just think there's always a way to be creative about this. I think that, you know, if my goal is to maximize human potential, that's my purpose. And I'm in the nursery well, I'm going to do whatever I can to help those little kids magnify their potential. And if they're so young that they just can't figure it out, then I'm going to use the time in between or after the class to figure out a way to do that with the youth or the adults or the team teacher I have or somebody else. There's a way to figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, in our tradition, there's certain callings naturally feel more purposeful, right? That totally as a branch president or a bishop or Belief say president, you're infused with purpose. Like you don't even have to go look for it. It comes to you, right? For the most part. And, but nonetheless, one thing I learned during my time as bishop is that there wasn't a lot that I did that I couldn't continue doing when I wasn't bishop. You know, I didn't have an office or I didn't meet with people, you know, through the penance process, but I could still impact lives and reach out and, and touch people because of, because of a higher purpose that 
I was responsible of, of giving myself, right? Yeah, I think that's the true test of, not the true test, but it's a true test of conversion is that when I get released, do I lose momentum and fall flat or do I maintain my sense of purpose? And I've talked to many folks who get released from these positions. You're talking to bishop or lead city president and you ask them, how's it going? And they'll often joke and say, well, my life is so much freer, but they might also say, I feel like I've lost my sense of purpose. Like I, I just don't feel like I have a reason to show up. And I would argue that that's why purpose is important because it's bigger than a calling. It just is. Yeah. Any advice you'd give if uh, not, you know, we've talked about if an individual doesn't like their calling, but helping another person find purpose in their calling and make sure they're enjoying it. Yeah. I've never found that anybody can identify their purpose in isolation. So I have yet to have a client that just kind of sits by themselves in a quiet room with a notebook and writes down what their purpose is. It just doesn't work. There's something about purpose that has to be extroverted. It has to be externally processed. You have to say it. And so I think one of the gifts we can offer other people really two things. The first is being a listening ear, asking questions. Tell me what you enjoy. Tell me what gives you meaning. Where are you finding gratification in this calling? Where aren't you finding gratification? How can I help you? How can I help you find satisfaction? Really asking the questions and listening. The second thing we can do is reflect back to the person what we see. So there's a principle I love, which is it's hard to see the picture when you're inside the frame. Because you're in the painting, you can't see your own greatness. Everybody else around you sees it. In fact, if I ask 25 people who know Kurt well, tell me what you feel like his purpose is. I feel like there'd be some general uniformity to their answers. I think that we can do this for people. We can, we can share with them what we see. Whether they want to take it and accept it or not is up to them. But there's something powerful about somebody sitting down with you and saying, hey, you seem to really come alive when... Or I couldn't help but notice this powerful thing you did, or you really had an impact on me when you did this thing. It can be a great way to reflect back to people. Here's some purpose that I found that you have. It can be very affirming for folks. Awesome. Well, what are we missing? Uh, on do we hit everything on the outline in some in some direction? I think we nailed it. Yeah, I think we did. We covered the the key points. Which again, remember, purpose is it's intentional. Purpose is other focused. And most importantly, it's broad, it's short, and it's built from your past. So if you're trying to identify what your life purpose is, it's worth taking time to sit down, reflect backward, and ask the question, what has helped shape who I am today? Like, how have I gotten here? Let me share a couple other questions for folks that they can scribble down or write down quickly if they want to. These are what I call five power questions to mine out purpose, okay? So I'm going to read these off very quickly. The first one is, what three people have most shaped who you are today? and why. If you can dig into that and then ask the question, why have they shaped me and how have they shaped me? Purpose starts to emerge. Question number two, what are three experiences that have most affected you and why? Number three, what are three interests that are most motivating and fulfilling? Three things you love investing your time in that are super satisfying. They light your fire. Number four, imagine you could write the script for your life, knowing everything would go as well as it possibly could. What is the story you'd like to see unravel before you? And then question number five, what is a problem you see in your family, community, church, city that really bothers you and you want to solve? What is a problem you see that you just really want to get to the heart of? What's something near and dear to who you are? Problems, challenges, difficulty, purpose emerges from those things. So I hope those are helpful to people that are listening. 
as they're starting to kind of try to figure out their purpose. Yeah, powerful questions. And this, you know, Jamin asks a follow-up question here that I think those would be helpful for. It says, I'm enlisted, I'm an enlisted aircraft mechanic in the Air Force. I think of ambitious goals of becoming an officer, but then I think this world needs more workers than bosses and I'm good at being a worker. So I should just lift where I stand. Is this a mental roadblock to purpose? And if so, what can someone like me do to overcome that and shift perspective? How do you justify a desire to lead? And, and I would, you know, the first thing that came to mind is just going through that exercise of someone like Jamie to sit down with those questions you just asked and see where God ins- leads him, right? Inspires him. But how, how would you respond? Yeah, I think there are two forces pushing against us when it comes to trying to figure out, should I step up and lead? Should I be a worker? Should I be a boss? Should I really go kind of go after that thing? The first force is the resistance that comes from the adversary telling us you're not good enough. Stay put, stay where you are. You're doing just what you should be doing and don't grow, don't go further, don't progress. That resistance comes in the form of fear, lack of confidence, self-doubt, that internal voice that just tells us we're not good enough. And so I would say if that's the voice that's telling you to stay put, we need more workers, no more leaders, push against it. You've got to fight back. You've got to go do the thing. The second voice that I found is the voice of the Lord. And he will sometimes say, I just need you to lift where you are. I need you to lift where you stand. So just be who you are and be the best you can, but but be content with where you're at. Those voices are very different. One of them, when you hear it, it feels very deflating. It's the voice of the adversary that makes you feel discouraged, weak, fearful, tired. You give up. If you're feeling that, push back and fight back. But the second voice is affirming. And you'll feel that reinforcement. You'll feel God say to you, just be who you are. Stop trying to be anything more than who you are. I just need you to be who you are, where you are right now, lift where you stand. That one's very different because you walk away feeling lifted, elevated, motivated, inspired, powerful, like, okay, cool. I can do this. I can be the branch president in the Spanish branch, and I'm just going to do it the best I know how or whatever your calling might be. So pay yeah. attention to where the voice comes from. Yeah, and I love just the, the idea of, just recognizing the energy that as you sit with each one of those ideas, like, is it, is it fear? Do I get excited? Right. You know, Jamin talks about this ambition or ambitious goal to be, be an officer. Like, what do you feel when you even state that, um, that phrase that I am an officer, you know, in the air force, you know, how does that feel and energy comes from that? And if it's exciting, if it's motivating, if it looks Maybe it is scary, but the energy pulls you through that. Then maybe there's a, a larger story there yeah. to step into. Yeah. If I, if I had an energy meter on that statement as you read it, it went like this. I've got this ambitious goal to be an officer one day, but then I think maybe I should just stay put and be who I am. <laughs> right? Like you, you hear it and you think, no, you definitely probably need to go for that. Yeah. And again, this isn't about like convincing everybody to quit your cubicle job and <laughs> no, like go all. buy a Ferrari and, and, you know, that's not what this is about, but really getting at, at peace and at getting your purpose at, at the center of your life because we are God's workmanship. Like he will lead us into that story if we engage in it and lean yeah. into it a little yeah. bit, even when it's scary, you know. It's about being intentional. It's yeah, about intentional. not just yeah. kind of stumbling through life and accidentally kind of finding our purpose. The same was true with talents. It's about being on living life on purpose and saying, yeah, I want to figure out why I'm here. And then I want to go magnify that. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Dustin, uh, this has been great. I've got one more question for you, but if people want to reach out and learn more about, uh, what, how you help people, uh, where would you send them? Yeah. A couple of places that might be helpful. The first is the purpose blueprint.com. 
And actually at the purposeblueprint.com slash training, I've got a free training there. It's an hour long that will help give you some steps to figure out your purpose. I'll give you some more examples and anecdotes and many of the things I talked about today. I've got slides and visuals that might help. So again, that's the purposeblueprint.com slash training or just the purposeblueprint.com website. Second, as with talents, uh, my email is Dustin at proofleadership.com. If I can be helpful to you, don't hesitate to reach out if you want to bounce a purpose statement off me. I have people do that from time to time. Again, I'm not like the guardian or gatekeeper of purpose. So I'm not going to wave the wand and say approved, denied. But what I can do is push on it a little bit. And I can say, okay, tell me more. Like why this or why that? Or how would you shorten this? And and I'm happy to do that. So Dustin at proofleadership.com. Love it. All right, last question I have, and, and it's going to be related to our overall uh, discussion, but just stepping into your role as a, a branch president, I think last time we talked, you were in the state presidency, and so, yeah. and it's been about a year, it sounds like, since you've been in this role. Yeah. I'm just curious, like being a branch president and leading in that way, how has that made you a better disciple or follower of Jesus Christ? Yeah, I've learned to be more empathetic, to be more patient, to be more long-suffering. You know, it's interesting. I... This is a challenging calling for sure. And uh, the stake presidency, I was more of a trainer, a motivator, a speaker, a coach. I got to do temple recommends. It was very kind of like positive, very affirming. When you're a branch president, you're on the ground. You get to be like the savior. You get to stand in his shoes. You get to empathize and connect and, and you get to really, really help people and see their hearts and see them for who they are. I love these people. And it's rubbed off some of those rough parts in my stone as I continue to go through life. And it's, it's for sure deepened my, my patience, my long suffering and my appreciation for the savior because I know he is the very same way with me. So it's been powerful. That concludes my interview with Dustin Peterson. I enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Those questions that he listed, I'll put those in the show notes so you can go through that. This is just, this is one of those things that you can't just listen to a podcast and run and go do, right? You've got to sit with these. You've got to go through the process. You have to refine and sometimes it can feel a bit out there, right? That what is this purpose thing? It doesn't even feel real. And I'm just repeating things that isn't reality. But I promise you, I've seen great impact in my personal life about purpose. I remember, <laughs> I mean, just some of the goals I've had with leading saints and whatnot. I remember sitting down thinking, someday leading saints is going to have 20,000 people on the email list. And guess what? We're about there. I mean, that seemed like such a far out goal there, but it all goes back to the, the purpose of we exist to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And that's relates to my own life purpose of bringing creative thought to the world of leadership. And all these things is what we we need to clarify these things so that we can better apply and make a difference in the world and be God's workmanship. And remember, if you know someone who'd be a great fit for the How I Lead segment, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and submit your suggestion. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And When the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.